eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Late Kick is live. SoFi Stadium officially a crime scene, so we have relocated to the safe and dry confines of our hotel here. It is Tuesday, January 10th, the year of our Lord, 2023, jam-packed. We are still live from what is a very stormy Los Angeles, California. Even as we speak, crews are tearing down the signage and whatnot for the 2023 National Championship game. Georgia just did some terrible things last night. And I know that in the live chat, you're telling me right now, we don't really need to recap that. Oh, friends, we need to recap it. We got a lot to talk about, you and I. There's also the Georgia matter at hand. There's a nice little pat on the cheek we need to give TCU for making it this far. But there's a storm brewing in the social media world about whether or not the college football playoff committee got it right, whether certain teams should have made the playoff and didn't make the playoff You've put me in a position I don't want to be in, and I don't mean short sleeves and 50-degree weather right now. I mean defending the playoff committee. You're going to make me do it, so I'm going to do it in the show this this afternoon, morning. Greg, is it? It's afternoon now. So early afternoon here on the West Coast. What's going to happen next year? We're going to spend a healthy amount of time on the show talking about Georgia, but I got one eye over here towards 2023. We do not have an offseason on this program, and you'll notice that I'm going to be kind of lean forward. That's very intentional today. Number one, because I'm nervous about the construction crew behind us. And number two, because we don't have time to take vacation. We've already got to be forward thinking around here, and we will do that. I'll tell you where they're watching us this afternoon. They're watching us in Snellville, Georgia. They're watching us in Rossville, Georgia, Chatsworth, Georgia. They're watching us in Fortson, Georgia, wherever you're watching us. We appreciate it. Just a little peach flavor love to the shout outs today. And I've got a lot to talk about on the back end of the show. It's not going to be the longest show in the world, but on the back end of the show, just some housekeeping, just to let you know, several thousand of you are new to the show, what's coming up over the next few months. Stay tuned for that. Let's go to work. Um, Colin, here's your end point right here. I would like to begin the show today uh, by a dramatic reading of some of my favorite song lyrics that I think very accurately describe last night. You are pulled from the wreckage 
of your silent reverie. You're in the arms of the angel. May you find some comfort here. An homage to the TCU Horn Frogs. A Sarah McLaughlin special went down last night. The walls were painted with TCU's blood. 65 to 7. We love padlock stats. In especially in championship settings, if you can give us padlock stats, if you can give us numbers that if we had known 24 hours earlier, we wouldn't have needed to watch the game, we enjoy that. Georgia trafficked in a lot of padlock statage last night, but let me tell you, I, there are few truths in an uncertain world, but I can promise you this. If you have as many touchdowns as your opponent has first downs, you will win a football game. Sometimes it's a fake padlock stat. That one's a real padlock stat. Georgia, as many touchdowns, let me speak slowly for the folks in the back that tuned out at halftime, and I don't blame you, as many touchdowns as TCU had first downs. And Georgia also found a way to run the ball 44 times last night, but still put up 335 and four scores through the air. An all-out assault on every front imaginable. Let's dive into this game a little bit. What were you thinking? Because the game was over, realistically, early second quarter, but what were you thinking? We built up a long time to this, you and I. We built up from August and fall camp to how many players could they replace and how many draft picks departing or too many. It turns out Lindsay Lohan, Mean Girls, the limit does not exist. How many players can you afford to lose? The limit does not exist. They're going to lose some more. The limit may still not exist. I was thinking about Todd Munkin. I was thinking about him over in a coaching box a few doors down from me and how at various points this year, the Missouri game seemed like nothing was working. That guy had to be sweating profusely. You get in that Ohio State game just 10 days ago, and you know you got to play catch up. Todd Munkin could have put his feet up on the press box table last night in that coaching booth. Todd Munkin could have taken a sip of whatever beverage he wanted to. Todd Munkin didn't even have to really get comfortable. He didn't even have to settle into his chair. Can you imagine being in a position in a championship game where you quite literally can't go wrong, where anything on the play sheet will work. You could have had a play sheet the size of Jimbo Fisher. You could have had all this in your hand. Everything he could have called would have worked last night because when you're putting up 8.2 yards per play, there is no wrong decision, friends. When you're running it 44 times but still 335 through the air, there is no wrong decision. I got the stat broadcast pulled up right here. Um, I didn't even, truthfully, I didn't even bother to look at this because I think that the box score should come with a parental advisory on it. But Georgia, when they started to run the ball early in the game last night, it's not like they, they just all out committed to running it down their throat. There was a very healthy split in play calling. There was a very, very healthy balance because, frankly, they knew they could do either thing well. Uh, they ran it for 254 last night. Their yards per rush, 5.8, so nearly six yards per rush. Everything worked. I don't need to tell you that, but I just kept thinking about Todd Munkin, thinking about how that guy's got to be up there saying, really, it's that easy? So I was down on the field pregame. Me and uh, Brady Quinn and Danny Cannell were doing live hits pregame, and in between some of those live hits, bad omens, bad omens. Number one, when you watched warm-ups, a very disconcerting feeling in the pit of your stomach for the guys out there in black and purple. God bless them. Fans were excited. Their fans traveled. God bless them. Uh, they were not long for this world. And then you start talking to some of the Georgia staff on the field. And here's the thing about talking to coaches. They're very buttoned up during the week. But when you get to game day and they're out on the field, they're like a fountain of information. Uh, you're not going to burn them. You never would burn them anyway. But at that point, I mean, what are you really going to disseminate? Even if you had ulterior motives, what am I going to say about Georgia's game plan that will affect the game at that point? Well, suffice it to say, they were pretty confident. And the quote 
big people move small people was reiterated to me time and time again by more than one Georgia staffer. They knew exactly what they were about to do. Uh, this was not one of the two, three, or even four toughest games they played this year. And I would argue they didn't have the most murderer's row of schedules coming through the SEC. Uh, but it was very fundamental. Very fundamental. Now, whether or not that's the championship game you should have gotten, I'll talk about that in just a second. But 8.2 yards per play. You want another padlock stat? Hey, go 9 of 13 on third down. And then 1 of 1 on fourth down. What a savage call up by half a million by Kirby Smart. They got Carson Beck time in the game. I keep saying, can you imagine this? Can you imagine that? How about getting your back up some work on a Monday night in early January, which means you're playing for a national championship because inexplicably, this sport still plays its championship games on a Monday night. Notice, notice the devil is tempting me to go down a lot of side roads in this commentary right now, but no, I did that last year. My friends over on Dogs 24-7 remind me, Georgia won the title last year. You came on the show the next day, and what did you do? You started talking about other things. We're zoned in. Courtesy of you guys, we're zoned in on Georgia right now. So there are a lot of these names, a lot of these phrases that people put on T-shirts after these games happen. I got one for you. We've already trademarked it in advance just in case. Georgia, much like some of the more dominant programs throughout history, it's not the first time that you've seen a program ascend to bordering on dynasty status. And it won't be the last. Uh, but there's this different trait that the leaders of those organizations and the organizations themselves have. When you watch someone ascending towards dynasty mode, there's a different DNA about them. I call it the audacity to dominate. It's something very few people have. People, much less organizations. And it takes individual people to inject that into an organization. But the audacity to dominate is essentially, think about this. When you're one of the best and you know you're one of the best, and then someone gives you all the resources you need, and all the tools you need, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what someone says. It doesn't matter how disrespectful or not you think people are. It doesn't matter what anyone indicates they could do or would do to you because they're going to have to play you eventually. This is not hypothetical land. This is not me looking at modern-day Georgia and wondering how they would have fared against mid-'90s Nebraska. They get to play everyone who dares to say something about them. Any reporter who runs their mouth about them not sure that happens quite to the extent they indicated last night, but they get to sit in the press box and just witness the horror unfold before their eyes. The audacity to dominate is really a beautiful thing in sports because you get to do something in football you don't get to do on the streets. If you do on the streets what Georgia did on a football field last night, you're going away for 10 to 20. But you're on a football field or in a boxing ring or an MMA octagon. Those are really some of the few places remaining. Thankfully, we have evolved as a society and as a people where you can't just inflict your will on someone against their wishes in society, in public. But you can do it on a football field. And they can recruit whoever they want to, and you get to recruit whoever you want to. They get to hire whoever they want to. You get to hire whoever you want to. They get to do it their way. You get to do it your way. And then you have the audacity to dominate. And athletically and competitively, it's almost arrogance. It's almost disrespectful from a purely athletic and mental standpoint because you get to do things physically and mentally to someone that's so demoralizing. And again, you could never do. You put on your street clothes. You leave the field that day. You leave your complex. You can't do that stuff on the street, but you get to do it on a football field. That's why guys are a little bit different. Guys are wired a little bit different. They, they look a little bit different. Those nice, humble young men that you see on Tuesdays, the best of the best. Kirby's one of them. 
uh, from the neck up, they get them into a position where they're willing to have the audacity to dominate. So easy to say, oh, those are three words that roll off the tongue. Everyone wants to do it, guys. Everyone wants to do it. And everyone thinks they have it in them. And truthfully, a lot of people do have it in them. How many people can pull it out of themselves? And then here's the trick, not just you as a head coach or the coordinator or whatnot. How many of you can pull it out of your position room and then zoom it out a little bit further? How many of you can pull it out of all your position rooms and then zoom it out further than that? How many of you can pull it out of your nutrition staff and your strength and conditioning staff? How many of you can take junior day that comes up in a couple of weeks, every bit as serious and approach it with the same amount of intensity you do the first practice of fall camp? That stuff happens at places like Georgia. That's why they are where they are right now. Some people in that organization have not even had time to let the dust settle today because they're working hardcore on 2023. They're working on flipping a five-star quarterback. I would encourage you, by the way, if you're not a member of dogs247.com, head over there right now. Rusty, probably not even up yet out here, but Rusty Manziel had some thoughts there and he's talking about what all's happening already. 2023 approaches. There's no time to sleep. Kirby was here at the hotel earlier today, did his press conference. They're going to fly back to Athens. They'll get ready to host juniors. You know, they'll get ready to finish off a recruiting class. That stuff just never ends. That doesn't make sense to most people. I know it doesn't make sense because most people really think that the mountaintop is the enjoyable part. Uh, the difference in the audacity to dominate is when you have that audacity, you've totally inverted the approach to life and competition. You now enjoy the climb more than you enjoy standing on the summit. The, the summit, that's for your players. That's for your fans. Uh, that's for your family. That's fun for them. You want to be right back at base camp again, and you want to start climbing again. The best in business do it. Fortune 500 CEOs do it. It's no different as a head coach. It's no different as an elite competitor, as an athlete. Truthfully, it's no different if you want to make it in our industry. It's a different, it's a different battlefield. You know, you certainly don't get to grab someone by the shirt collar and push them up against the wall. At least I don't advise it like you can on a football field, but it's all the same. Here's the thing, though. I don't think a lot of you believe Kirby Smart when he says, oh, it's going to continue to be really difficult. You know, because the talk right now is going to be, well, this, this program has surpassed Alabama. This program's done this, done that. They're the new number one, et cetera, et cetera. Even if all that's true, the margins are so small. He knows it. He knows it. And he's, to his credit, very bluntly straightforward in explaining this stuff to the public. I listened to a lot of folks doing radio this morning. I watched a fair amount of coverage this morning, which I don't normally do. People don't believe him. People think that they got up on their surfboard, they caught the wave, and now there's no stopping them. There, there are 47 million different things that could derail Georgia, that could stop Georgia. Now, the difference with them as opposed to a lot of other programs is most of their hurdles may be internal. So they control a lot more of them. But you, you probably have friends just as well as I do who are razor sharp, ultra intelligent, talented, good looking. They look like they have everything in the world going for them and they find a way to screw their life up. Well, what happened? How'd that happen? It's the same way that a football team can become derailed. Hey, let me ask you this. Not that they've fallen off the face of the earth, contrary to coverage you've heard this morning. Why didn't Alabama play in the national championship game this year? Why weren't they? down the road a few miles in Inglewood at SoFi Stadium last night. Well, it's because they got loose just a little bit, just a little bit. You think LSU alone or Tennessee alone is what beat Alabama? I don't. I think there are some internal things. 
that went a little sideways for them. Just a little bit. Not far away. Alabama's still right over here in the on-deck circle. They're not in the batter's box at the moment. Georgia's in the batter's box at the moment. They've got a great staff. That's common sense, I think. But let me tell you, when I was in town earlier this year for a game, I talked to some of their staff. And some of their staff's been there a while. Some of them are newer, but whatever the secret formula is, if there is such a thing, I think Kirby Smart's got it there right now. And I think he knows he has it there right now. They've just got a perfect combination of people. They've got the right people in the building, and they know it. And they know it won't last forever. Now, that doesn't mean when one or two goes, he won't replace them. And it really doesn't mean that any one assistant coach holds the keys to the castle. Kirby Smart understands. He's built a blueprint. He's built a formula. And he's built an organization that is not reliant on any one peg holding the entire operation up other than him. You lose Kirby Smart, that's a different story. But there will be staffers come and go. I think he's made it very hard for guys to leave there. I think also, if they were to tell the truth, the working conditions there, a little bit better maybe than they were three or four years ago. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign of a head coach evolving. That's a sign of a head coach learning from mistakes, if you want to call them that, but just trying to observe different ways to do things and tweaking his program at every turn. He's done it. He's done it. You've got to squeeze every last drop out of every single piece of low-hanging fruit in your program because ultimately the totality of those drips add up to a, a 65 to 7 flood. That's what it adds up to, candidly. I do have a beef. I do have one bone to pick, two of them actually. One of them I've already stated. I'm going to randomly throw Mike Leach in here in a Georgia recap video. This will make sense if you follow me for a second. You know, Mike Leach passed away a few weeks ago, and it shed some light on something I, I wasn't even aware of. I did not know that you had to be a 60% career winning percentage guy as a head coach to qualify for the College Football Hall of Fame. And Mike Leach is just under that, 59 and some odd percent. And I told you at the time, I think that's ridiculous, and I also think it'll change. I think saner heads in the room will prevail, and Mike Leach will eventually be a College Football Hall of Famer. I believe that. If you've got a Hall of Fame, let me start this over. If you've got a College Football Hall of Fame, that Mike Leach is not in because of criteria, you got the wrong criteria. Similarly, if you got a college football hall of fame that Stetson Bennett doesn't qualify to be in because of your criteria, you got the wrong criteria. I know what the rules are. I just don't think they should be the rules. And they're really not hard and fast rules. You could change them tomorrow if you wanted to. You had to be like a first team All-American. I forget what all the qualifiers are. Uh, you're looking at a guy who rewrote the record book at a very prestigious program. You're looking at a guy who made history in a sport that is built on history. We remember names of quarterbacks from the 40s. And you watched a guy whose story is, thankfully, well chronicled and documented now. And he, what did he do? Won back-to-back -back national championships. And look, just like no one's going to tell you, in retrospect, that they thought JT Daniels should start the semifinal game last year, which a bunch of people were talking about all around Christmas in 2020 or 21. Just like no one's going to tell you they called for JT Daniels to take over when Stetson lost to Bama in the SEC championship game last year, they're also not going to tell you that even after the kid won the title, when he announced he was coming back, you want to know what some people said? Some people said, oh, I mean, come on now. We, we've recruited Brock Vandergriff. We've got Carson Beck here. Stetson, like, that's all well and good, man, but it was time to move on. And he said, no, it's not. He just went and got himself another haircut, won another title. 
and said, now I'm going to go. Now I'm going to leave. And that's only because they are literally forcing me out the door or else I'd stay another year. I'd win another one. People were wrong at every turn about him. Now, I've, I've long since hopefully paid my penance on this show. Uh, I, I just told you flatly, what was it, about a year and a half, two years ago, I told you, no team with Stetson Bennett at quarterback is going to win the championship. I had watched the Tua's. I had watched the Joe Burrows. I had watched the Mac Joneses. I thought we had entered into a new era where you had to be a certain caliber at quarterback or else all the other position groups may be rendered sort of irrelevant. It's not the case. Uh, but also, we have to acknowledge, Stetson Bennett upped his game. Stetson Bennett's not the same quarterback. The one you saw last night, the one you saw against Ohio State, it's not the same quarterback that we saw Georgia sort of, sort of gingerly nurse onto the field when they had to do it initially. you got to credit him. I'm talking about Kirby Smart and the audacity of dominance and how to be an elite A-level competitor. Well, he had a quarterback that was that same way. So hats off to Stetson Bennett. Hats off to Kirby Smart. Congratulations to the fan base. I'm from Georgia. No one knows more than me how much this means for that state. So now we get to enter into this, this really interesting conversation of, okay, well, where does Georgia stack up? Historically, we got time for that. Where, where does Georgia stack up in the modern-day hierarchy? Certainly, number one, how big is the gap? I don't know that you can ever skillfully quantify that. But I can tell you this, we saw the most dominant performance, not in the history of national championship games last night. We saw the most dominant performance in the history of bowl games. There's never been one like that. I'm pretty sure I read, don't quote me on this, that there's never been a wider margin in a bowl game. And it happened in a national championship. In the arms of the angel, TCU, may you find some comfort here. On cue, the wind took my notes from that segment away. That means it's time to move on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, I've got several more things to talk about, so stick around. Appreciate you guys being tuned in live if you're tuned in. I want to talk to you for a second. Because we were over at the stadium about, oh, say, an hour and a half ago. And then a hurricane came through. So Mike and Gelby and my, myself, we had to evacuate. Well, that's basically what happened. We had to evacuate. We had to come over here, and I'm going to tell you why. Sure enough, they had provided us tents out there, but they weren't from Academy. They were just your old garden variety, run-of-the-mill tents. Academy, if they were on location, we probably would have still been out there. Academy Sports and Outdoors, uh, in all seriousness, has powered our entire Every Given Saturday tour. They've taken us on the road. We've been on the road 18 weeks now, if you count signing day and if you count other things that we've done. And uh, we will not be on the road next weekend. We're finally going to take a little bit of a break, but we appreciate them so much. And more importantly, they appreciate you guys because you've kind of taken taken seriously what they do for us and known that you have to play a part 
And the way you play a part in keeping the show free, keeping them on board, keeping them happy is just visit the store every now and then. You know, just just go to academy.com every now and then. That's it. That's all. You know, you need to make a little purchase. Just make the purchase from them. It's that simple. There is no follow-up. There's no and. There's no but. Just do that, and Academy Sports and Outdoors is happy. They're happy. We're happy. You're happy. Everyone's happy. Okay. I can't believe this is about to happen, but it's about to happen, and I appreciate you guys being tuned in wherever you are. I honestly need to gather my thoughts for I'm going to take a sip of water right quick because I don't want to do what I'm about to do, but you're making me do it. Okay. There are few places I want to be in life less than sitting here defending the college football playoff or the college football playoff committee. Okay, they put a championship game in a non-college football venue in Southern California on a Monday in January. These are not exactly people that I am in love with at the moment. These are people that are soon expanding a playoff I don't want to expand. You know my thoughts on all that. That's not what I'm here to talk about. But you guys, not all of you, not nearly all of you, but a vocal minority last night, whether it be in the iJosh or in my DMs or just, just publicly on Twitter. Some of you get paid to talk about this stuff, by the way. I saw a lot of you last night. And you watched the game start getting out of hand, and it, sadly, yet predictably, you started second-guessing the playoff field. Now, as I've said before, if you've got a problem with the four teams in the playoff the moment the playoff is announced, or up to the moment of the kickoff of the semifinals, and you publicize that, even if I disagree with you, at least I'm okay with it in principle. I can listen to the logic and, and decide for or against. Here's what you can't do. You can't wait until the games happen and then retroactively use benefit of hindsight. The committee doesn't have hindsight. The committee, believe it or not, does not have the ability to rub the old crystal ball, see what would happen if they put certain teams in and say, uh, we do not want that outcome, so therefore we're not going to put that team in. And before you tell me that what happened last night was predictable and everyone knew it was going to come, half of you saying that, said Michigan was going to do the same thing, and they didn't. So, no, it's not all predictable. And secondly, forget about the predictability for just a second. I want to talk to you about competition, and I want to talk to you about how I view the playoff selection process, how this actually should happen. So here's here's been my stance. It's very simple, very, very simple, very straightforward. Nothing that happens in the playoff changes the criteria about who should make the playoff. Translation. You pick Bama and you, well, not Bama, that was last year. Nothing, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rephrase this because I want to clip it for later. There was a little bit of noise off to the side. Nothing that happens in the playoff should change the criteria for who should have made the playoff. So this year, you got Georgia in there. You got Michigan in there. You had TCU, you had Ohio State. That's your one through four. You look at their resumes, you look at their bodies of work, you don't acknowledge what a point spread says would happen because we just played 12 or in some cases 13 games that showed us what did happen. Everyone had plenty of opportunity to pad and build their resume and we got what we got. And so then you decide. What you can't do is you can't watch the games play out and then retroactively say, well, I think the number five team would have done better. I think the number six team would have done better. That's like, that's like looking at an honors student who graduates high school, 4.0 GPA, they get all the awards, and then they go get addicted to smack, and they end up living under a bridge somewhere. Do you take the honors away from them? Do you, do you take the certificate away from them? No. They made the grades. What they did happened. It doesn't change it. That was their resume. And the criteria, based on their body of work in the classroom, warranted them 
getting honors. Then whatever happened afterwards happened afterwards. Maybe they just drop out of college. Maybe they're, maybe they're in a substances involved. Maybe they just make some poor decisions. The point is, you don't retroactively change your decision making. The criteria is the criteria. But here's what got a little aggravating to me last night. When one or two people said Bama would have done better than TCU, I said, okay, ha ha. But then when like 100 people said it, I realized, oh, you guys are serious. You really think Alabama should have been here. The committee didn't keep Alabama out of the playoff. Alabama kept Alabama out of the playoff. You're, like, you're insane. If you're sitting here right now saying, no, 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 no. I know TCU's resume was what it was. It should have been Alabama here. Two loss Alabama, even with the wins being razor thin, should have been Alabama. No, it shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been at all. Why? Because they didn't deserve to be in. And then I get the point spread argument thrown at me, which, as I always tell you, there are a lot of things about Vegas that I love. I love that we've legalized sports betting in more states. What I hate is casuals now talking sports betting and now talking odds making. Because if you're sitting there telling me who would be favored over who on a neutral field if they play tomorrow and justifying who you think should have retroactively been put in the playoff, you don't understand the theory of competition versus odds making. Odds making and point spreads are not a body of work, guys. They're not a resume. They are a number that would be put on a game if it were played. And sure, it's a half-decent indicator of who the better team is and who isn't, but it's a power rating. Bama, by the way, favored against LSU and lost. What did the point spread mean that day? Bama favored against Tennessee and lost. What did the point spread mean that day? It didn't mean anything other than that's what, that's what odds makers put on the game going into the I don't need to explain odds making to you. What I need to tell you is you take care of your business and then you let the chips fall where they may. You trust your preparation. You play the games. You put together your body of work. They put the four right teams in the playoff. They put the four right. You know good and well I'd tell you if I thought they didn't. They put the four right teams in there and TCU got obliterated last night. Nothing about what happened last night changes what the criteria and what the resume was on whatever Sunday it was after the SEC championship, when they had to make the call, they made the call based on the information at hand. No one knows what's going to happen once you put those teams in there. Here's the other thing about that. If you are of the belief, and I've talked to two people who I respect this morning who think this, if you're seriously of the belief that Alabama should have been in because odds makers say they wouldn't have been a two-touchdown underdog against Georgia, they wouldn't have lost that badly against Georgia. Well, I'm going to ask you this. Is that really the road you want to go down? Do you really believe that's how competition works? Do you really think the committee kept Alabama out instead of Bama keeping Bama out? Because if you believe that, how about this? Toss another Alabama loss in there. Have them be nine and three. What if I told you, ESPN 30 for 30 stop, what if I told you a three loss Bama still wouldn't drop below number four in the odds maker's eyes? There still aren't more than four other teams that would be favored over three-loss Alabama in the odds-making community. So what do we do there? Do we, do we just let certain teams, because of the skill level of their roster, which is heavily baked into odds-making, by the way, do we just let underachieving, ultra-talented teams in based off a default that we care about what odds-makers say more than what actually happens on a football field? And then if that's your answer, I, I ask you, do you think this right here is a piece of paper? You hear it there on the podcast. Do you think that's what this game is played on? Like You grew up playing this sport. And if you didn't grow up playing this sport, you probably grew up playing sports. At any point when you were in peewee football and you lost, did you go to the parking lot 
and sip the Capri Sun and eat the orange wedges and get rehydrated and have your mom say, it's okay, you didn't really lose today because you would be favored over them if you played again tomorrow. No, because at the purest form, that's not a competition worse. It's not till you get to the higher levels. And the spectacle is big enough that it warrants odds being placed on these games because they're popular enough to be wagered on that you even get into this nonsense about talking about odds making. I'm all for odds making. We talk about gambling on the show. There's a big difference in competition and the outcomes and respecting the outcomes of competition and the spirit of which versus odds making. So no, Alabama shouldn't have been in the playoff. And yes, they would have fared a lot better against Georgia. It's a shame they weren't there. Whose fault is it? It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's the guys in Tuscaloosa. And for that matter, you could extend that conversation. Ohio State would have fared a lot better. You know how I know? Because they played the game 10 days ago. I thought about Ohio State a lot last night. I thought about Tennessee a lot last night. If, if Tennessee would have taken care of their business against South Carolina, if Tennessee would have been a, just a one-loss team, they would have been in the playoff in all likelihood. I don't know what would have happened from there. I know that team wouldn't have been any fun to deal with. I, I, saw, I saw what Joe Milton even looked like against Clemson. I don't think they would have been any fun to deal with. The point is, you got what you got. And I think you got the right four. And I'm not going to sit there and change my mind after the fact with the benefit of a hindsight that no playoff committee member has. And that is the first and last time that I will spend this much time defending that group of people on this program. We move on. Oh, sorry. All the way from across the country in Nashville, Colin and Jesse simultaneously yelled in my ear. You need to like the video and subscribe to the channel. And, and I share that sentiment. They were just a little bit more enthusiastic about it in my ear. So, so from Colin and Jesse's lips to your ears, we're not going anywhere after this. We'll be right back on the air Thursday night. We're not done with the show right now. But if you like what you're seeing, or even if you don't, maybe we'll do better in the future. Please subscribe to the channel and like the video. Because we've got like 3,000 people on here right now, and we've got 419 likes. And uh, they don't think that's good enough. And quite frankly, I agree with them. All right. Speaking of the future, paper pop. What's going to happen in the year of our Lord 2023? Who's winning this thing next year? Is there a TCU out there? Is there a team that comes out of nowhere? You know who it would be for me? Texas A&M. If there was a team that would just come out of nowhere and defy all the odds, going from sub-500 to playoff, it'd be A&M. I'm not going to talk about A&M right this yet. I'm going to circle back around to them. I want to talk about the Big Ten, Ohio State. I'm very, very curious about what happens at quarterback there. I'm very curious about how close they just came. And whether they make tweaks or wholesale changes, I'm supremely interested as of this moment even in what happens with Michigan. I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to be the head coach there in a week, uh, much less this fall. But yet either way, unless there's a mass exodus via the transfer portal, if he does leave, uh, they're set up very well to succeed in the next several years. And they've shown that they can do everything they need to do in the transfer portal. That's another team. That, well, they were already in the playoff. So they're, they're on the precipice every year now, as is Ohio State, of being a playoff team. The one that hadn't made it yet up there that I am probably buying about as much stock in as any non-playoff team out there so far as Penn State. Like I think, I think 2023 is the closest I've seen them to being on the brink of a playoff breakthrough. I don't just mean a good solid 10-win season, but they lose the two or three big games again. I mean, make the playoff. We finally get to see the Drew Aller era. You know, we get to see Manny Diaz in that defense in year two if he's still there. And I, I don't say that to spark any rumor. I just mean I never assume 
that anyone's coaching staff is safe until I see him on the field in the fall. Texas is the program for the second year in a row that will be one of the most interesting going into spring and then ultimately fall camp because it's year three under Sark. I talked to you about this a few days ago, how I think if you don't pop immediately, if you don't get hired and then win the Big 12 or go to the playoff in your first couple of years, people just assume, oh, that means you don't have it. Well, they went five and seven their first year there. I think they went uh, eight and four this past year. That's improvement. So linearly, year one to year two, we've had improvement. I still think, though, that some people have checked out on Texas. Now, fairly, a lot of you didn't check in yet, and that's okay. That's not a program that is miles and miles and miles away. They lost a lot of close games this year. Uh, They still really weren't what they need to be at quarterback. So the quarterback situation is interesting at Texas because now – I think it's safe to say one way or the other, you're going to get quality play there. Because if it's not Quinn Ewers, we got a kid named Arch Manning coming in town now. Like we, we, we finally are, are on the brink of having that happen. And so Texas is in that conversation. Oklahoma could make a big jump year one to year two under Brent Venables. They barely made a bowl game this year. What do all these teams have in common? Even the ones who underachieve, just like I mentioned A&M a second ago, they have this in common. They've got talented rosters. I am not someone who sits there and bangs the table. This team's the more talented team. That team's the more talented team. It's one of the more overrated talking points when predicting a game that you can mention. But when we're looking broad scope, wide kaleidoscope, you look at talent, and that's a very, very good metric. We're just just trying to find out who's underachieving with talent. Because the programs that underachieve with talent, i.e. Texas, Oklahoma this past year, they have the least incentive to keep everything the same. So they're going to keep a lot of talent, but they're going to make big changes around the talent. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you just burn out again. But sometimes you make the right changes, and all of a sudden you go from a mediocre bowl game to, oh, my goodness, we're in November and we're in the thick of the playoff race. Oklahoma could be that. What about the rest of the Big 12, by the way? Are we going to get a a duplicate performance from Chris Kleiman in Kansas State? What's TCU going to be? We just watched them in the national championship game like 13 or 14 hours ago. Uh, Elsewhere, you know, Kansas made some noise this year. Texas Tech made some noise this year. They're very excited, as they should be in Lubbock, about Joey McGuire. The ACC is one that I want to talk about quickly uh, because it starts with Clemson. It still starts with Clemson. But I'm going to get a lot of pushback on that statement, thankfully, for the first time in several years. You know why? Because there are going to be several of you I smile as I say it, because who knows? I may be right there with you. There are going to be several of you who bet a ticket that says FSU preseason ACC championship this coming fall. I may be here for it. You know I'm not going to give you predictions in January. I barely do them in August. But I like what they're doing. See, the reason I'm not as nervous as some people when it comes to picking FSU is because I don't think there's any one-hit wonder aspect of that team. I think they've been built from the inside out. They do legs. They are a program that does legs. It's not all popcorn muscles. It's not all chest and biceps five or six days a week. They've built it the right way, yet they're still leveraging the portal hard. They've done it every cycle. As of two days ago, I haven't checked this morning, they've got the number one portal class in the country. Good things happening down there. Jordan Travis back. Jaheim Bell's transferred in. There's a lot to love about FSU. And you know why that's good for Miami? Because it lets them just kind of do what they want to do down in Coral Gables. You got the Clemson factor in the room. Now folks are going to talk about FSU. And kind of out of the spotlight, 
didn't make a bowl game at Miami, bring in a good recruiting class. What they're going to do in the portal is ongoing. We'll see what they do in the portal. That's going to be a markedly improved team, obviously, because it can't go backwards much. It's going to be a markedly improved team in 2023. There's a really good Vertical Horizon song playing here right now, but I can't play it loud for you for for rights fees purposes. Love that song, though. Um, But the, the Clemson thing, like a lot of this is still in their hands. Like a lot of this is still up to Clemson. They'll still have the most talented roster. Talent is a starting point. It's not the finish line. It's a starting point. They got Kate Klubnick there at quarterback. I really want to see how many changes Dabo Swinney makes to his staff. I really want to see how many organizational changes he makes. There are two schools of thought out there, diametrically opposed, by the way. One school of thought is he's stubborn, he's set in his ways, and his past success is going to be his future detriment. And there are other people who say, nah, he knows what the internal changes that are needed are. He's just not going to satisfy you by saying, here's exactly what I'm going to do. No, you're just going to have to wait to find out. I, I have no clue. I'm sitting here right in the middle. I'm Switzerland on this, and I'm looking both ways. Saying, are you right? You sound pretty convincing. No, no, no. You sound like you know what you're talking about. Just wait and see, I guess, with Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, big quarterback pickup. The same Notre Dame that started 0-2, and people thought Marcus Freeman may be one and done. Not this person, but people, the streets were talking. Maybe Notre Dame is that team. Are we ready to do that again? Are we ready for Notre Dame November playoff talk again? And, of course, in the SEC. I thought Bama would win the national championship this year. I told you that in August. They didn't. I think they're going to be right there again. I think they'll be right there again. Uh, Tennessee, I I think they have staying power. Certainly, they are recruiting the most important position the way that you have to. Watch spring in Knoxville. You want, a, you want a really good team that's not your own team if you don't live in and around Knoxville to watch in the spring. Joe Milton. There are a lot of folks who thought he'll start the bowl game. He'll keep the seat warm. Nico will come in. He'll take the job from him. It'll be clear after spring practice, and it'll be Tennessee, led by Nico Iamaliava. I think I got the name right this fall. Well, then Joe Milton kind of showed out in the bowl game, and now some people are saying, no, I think Joe may start the season. Then we'll see. You know, it's kind of like that DJ K. Klubnik talk of DJ's going to start the season, but at some point it'll be K. Klubnik. I don't know. I don't know. Very exciting spring to come there in Knoxville. Uh, I'm going to save A&M for last. LSU, same question. Jaden Daniels is coming back. Uh, you go year one to year two. They overachieved. Just pretend LSU was seven and five. Pretend they didn't make the SEC championship game. What would you expect from them in year two? You would be saying, oh, this is the year I think that they'll contend. Okay, just because they were ahead of schedule doesn't mean the year two expectations any different. This is the year where you really should see a quantum leap. And I know that doesn't make sense. Because you saw him make the SEC championship game. You did. You also saw him lose games handedly to the likes of Texas A&M. You saw him lose week one to FSU. It's, it was not a flawless team, not even close to that. Good foundation there, too. Recruiting's very good. Brian Kelly's doing things in recruiting. They said he could never do. No, he just hadn't done it. It wasn't that he couldn't. It was just that he had not. And Texas A&M. You want, you want to say do or die? You want to look at a situation that's do or die? I got you one. I think it's College Station, Texas in 2023. It's got to happen. Got to happen. I don't mean seven wins either. I don't mean getting back above the the bowl threshold. Jimbo Fisher's got to put a contender on the field this year. I don't care how big the buyout is. But Brandon Walker's wrong about virtually everything else in life. He's right when he says one thing. Buyouts are meaningless. There is no buyout big enough. When you sit on oil fields, no buyout is big enough out there. 
especially if if you are a mockery in your own division in which you're recruiting better than almost anyone, you're paying more than almost anyone, you've got better resources than everyone, and yet you still can't get out of your own way. That can't happen two years in a row. They just hired Bobby Petrino as offensive coordinator. It can't be a process. It's got to be quick. It's got to be like that. I think that would be the more shocking headline out of all possible shocking headlines next year is Texas A&M goes from afterthought to being right there in the conversation in November. That That's where my head's at right now. Those are some of the programs I have my eye on. Uh, the West Coast, USC, USC there's a ceiling on until, well, there's, there's kind of an indefinite ceiling on a Lincoln-Riley-led program. They can be as impressive any given week as any program in the country, any team in the country, but until you up the level of play defensively, you're eventually going to run into a brick wall. You're eventually going to get this late in the season. You're going to face a Utah in the conference title game. Do you know what would have happened had, had USC had to face Georgia? It would have been ugly, too. They would have been disassembled, too. Absolutely would have happened. Doesn't mean it's the way it's always got to be, though. And I give Lincoln Riley all the credit in the world. Year one, he did more in year one than he ever should have been able to do. So, so this is not me doubting him, per se. I'm just saying... I'm more doubting the people that are injecting USC automatically into that national championship conversation, not until we see better play defensively. Oregon is the one on the West Coast that I'm buying a lot of stock in because they're taking defense seriously. Look what they're doing in recruiting in the portal on the defensive line. They got Bo Nix to come back. I don't think they're done. Two hiccups back to back. It's like an earthquake out here. Um, I don't think they're done in the portal either. So, and, and for that matter, recruiting's not done. Yes, yes, friends, we do still have a signing day in February. I know they've told you otherwise, but we do still have a signing day in February. So that's where, that's where my head is at. Okay, let me, let me talk to you about a few things before we go. Have they disassembled this whole hotel? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Okay. We're done with the Every Given Saturday tour crazy, like, out-of-this-world success. It, there's a ton of thanks to be given. I do it every week. But all the coaches that are so accommodating, and their, their support staff and their SIDs, there was not a place we went this year where we were not given the kind of access we need. There was not a place we went this year, frankly, where coaches weren't open and accommodating. But here's the thing. This show runs on a few really big pillars. Uh, entertainment, access, information. Those are the three things we try and give you. If we don't have those three baked in, or at least two of the three into a segment, we won't do the segment. That's the philosophy of the show. Here's what helps. When you can constantly get feedback from coaches, and you can constantly get very, very worthwhile information from coaches, because they trust you, and there's every reason to trust us, we don't burn anyone. We, I appreciate it so much. No, not just we, I appreciate it so much, because it gives us the ability to have a far more informed conversation. We don't have to guess nearly as often we, we can know what we're talking about because you guys help that out. And, and we try and help you out as much as we can. So from me to you, I really appreciate that. Colin and Jesse have had one vacation or two vacation days or thereabouts since August and have never complained a second. And so they're back in Nashville right now. This is actually one of the easier shows they'll ever do because we're out in California. Thanks to them. Uh, Mike's here. Gelby's here. We've been on the road this entire year. Big game, Dane. Watching from somewhere, Coach Quinn even made an appearance in true fashion. She waited until the title game, and she made an appearance. But there are several changes coming to the show. All of them are positive. I told you this last year, and it happened. There will be more changes coming to the show. 
Not that I'm going anywhere. I'm saying we're, we're going to add some more layers because you've given us the ability to do that. You have, you have grown in numbers and you have spoken so vocally that management really can't ignore it. And so as much leeway, as much rope as they gave us this year, I've had some really productive conversations over the past couple of weeks. We're going to be given more rope. We're going to be given more leeway. We're going to be given more resource. And because of that, we're going to be able to do even more of what you want to do. So there is no off season. We don't even mention the word. We've got a live show 48 hours from now. We'll be right back in Nashville. But I just want to let you know, because I know some of you tune in the day after the title game. And then you think everyone goes on vacation, maybe, because that's how your other shows do it. Or you think, well, they won't be able to talk about anything again to spring practice. Watch us. Watch us talk about something every day until spring practice. So you keep it locked on this channel or the podcast. We make it available however you want it. But just do me one favor. You don't tune out. We'll give you everything you want. Make sure you're subscribed on all those platforms and make sure you're following on social at Late Kick Josh. If we don't cut it off in January, February, or May, June, July, there's no reason for you to go anywhere. So like I said, big thanks to you guys. Great recap. And uh, semifinal week was a little bit better than championship week, obviously, but we had fun. We get to do what we love for a living and you make that possible. So for producer Jesse and director Colin back home, Mike and Gilby here in SoCal. I'm Josh Pate. I'm uh, going to head across the street, essentially, to LAX, head home, and sleep for about 27 hours. We'll see you Thursday. Until then, take care, and God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.